You're listening to the Slice of MIT podcast, a production of the MIT Alumni Association. My name is Margolia Gilson. I'm named after my grandmother. Everybody called me Margie. I'm class of 56. And in my class... In the 1950s, MIT's male-to-female ratio was less than 50 to 1. Margolia's class entered with about 17 women and 13 graduated together. Margolia remembers some of the advantages of being one of a few women, especially when it came to dating. There were so few girls, a lot of guys wanted to take out an MIT co-ed once, at least. And so I, I have to say I had a very active social life, but I confined it to Friday night and Saturday, and sometimes a Sunday afternoon bicycle ride, because I had to get my work done or else I wouldn't have lasted. Originally from small town Keene, New Hampshire, Margolia was the first female from her high school to attend MIT. Ever since she can remember, she had an interest in science. When I was in seventh grade, I read an article in the New York Times magazine, Wanted, Magellans of the Ocean Above, and it was about the upper atmosphere. And I decided that's what I really wanted to study. And there were only two schools that offered that in the Northeast, MIT and Cornell. And I applied to both, I got into both, never visited Cornell, but came here. Today on the Slice of MIT podcast, we celebrate women at MIT, highlighting some memories of their time at the Institute. In this episode, we bring you stories from four women of different generations, stories of favorite professors, memorable courses, community spirit, and even a creamed spinach revolt. Megan Pasquina is a Course 4 alumna of the class of 2008, and she spent many a long night in the architecture studio perfecting her line drawings and boards. And while her coursework meant a lot to her, she remembers a story about how a 2 a.m. sparkling cider break taught her about what's really important in life. Here's Megan. My thesis advisor, Jan Wampler, was an, well, still is an awesome man. Uh, the first year I started MIT, I would see him in the halls, and honestly, I Megan remembers Professor Wampler as a character. His crazy hair and the convertible he drove were just a few of the characteristics that stood out in her mind. He's so unassuming, but he's brilliant and um, probably one of the most supportive people I've ever met and um, pushed us very hard. When the students were pulling an all-nighter in the studio before the final review, Professor Wampler would show up in the middle of the night to offer support and... He would bring sparkling apple cider and snacks and basically tell us to, you know, stop working, let's hang out and celebrate, and he'd give any comments if we needed it and just told us to relax. It was a really great moment for all of us to kind of step back, stop stressing out. We were all freaking out. Um, because that's what you do when you're preparing for your final presentation. And the fact that he would come in in the middle of the night and to be there for us was just really pretty wonderful and helped you realize there are more important things than, you know, making sure your line drawings are perfect and making sure your boards are perfect. It was much more about community. Dale Krause, class of 1971 and an economics major, took a lab in the Department of Nutrition and Food Science. She shares the story about how her lab project fed 
her need to help others. The project was to see if they could bake bread for poor countries and underdeveloped countries at a cheaper price that was healthy and nutritious. For two afternoons a week, Dale would bake bread. She experimented with different proteins to see if they could create a cheaper product. One week we did a milk protein in the bread or soy protein or fish protein and we baked lots of loaves of bread and then we would test it. How did it taste? What was the consistency? And, you know, a report was written at the end. After every class, Dale would bring back the extra loaves to the dorm for her friends to enjoy. It was wonderful. I got my lab. We had some good bread and it was doing a good deed, you know, to see if we could help underdeveloped countries. Of course, when you're pulling all-nighters and taking rigorous labs, sometimes it's good to just have a little fun. Ann Street, undergraduate class of 1969, graduate class of 1972, lived in McCormick Hall, the all-women's dorm. She tells this next story about sending a message with cream spinach. The dining service in McCormick Hall was catered by Stouffer's, the people who give you frozen food. And we believed at the time that they used us as test animals for their new frozen food dishes. And it seems to me that they were testing creamed spinach. And they would give us creamed spinach again and again and again, and we got really tired of it. And so after one too many nights of creamed spinach, the women were ready for a new menu. They decided to revolt. All the girls got together and we made a deal with ourselves. We would go through the cafeteria line, we would get an order of cream spinach, and we'd get a couple of extra trays. Then we dumped all of our cream spinach on the trays. And we made a mound a couple of feet high of nothing but cream spinach and put it through the window where the dirty dishes went as a statement. And we never got cream spinach again. To this very day, Anne doesn't eat cream spinach. It's amazing how collaboration and teamwork can make a huge difference, and it's always been an important part of the MIT experience. Megan Pasquina, class of 2008, remembers a time when the power of teamwork helped avoid a major setback. I think most people have this image of architecture as people being in studio all night, all the time, and a lot of that is true. Um, but I think that what's, what's great about the studio is you're all working in the same place all night. And so unlike some of my friends who were working in their dorm rooms by themselves, you know, I, I had a built-in community. Megan. That's Megan's mother, Fran Brown, class of 1979. Do you remember that kid who you're working in the studio and he fell and broke his model? Yeah. I, I think that's a, I do. that's a great story because that's... Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. One of my friends, it was... I don't know if it was, it was the night before a final and yeah. he, he tripped and he was carrying his model and it just... He broke it. Broke. And he was devastated and didn't know what to do because, you know, we had eight hours before our presentations and there was all his work. A whole bunch of us, you know, we stopped doing what we were doing and we helped him glue back. Just put us back together. Glue his model back together, yeah. It wasn't even a question. It was just, we're all there, of course. We're farther along, you're not doing well. Like, of course we can help you. Um, which was a, just, yeah, a very great thing to be a part of.
Well, that's it for this episode of the Slice of MIT podcast, but the reminiscing doesn't have to stop here. What are your favorite memories of your time at MIT? Tweet us your stories on Twitter at MIT alumni. That's MIT underscore alumni. Special thanks to Margolia Gilson, Megan Pasquina, Dale Krauss, Anne Street, and Fran Brown for sharing their stories with us for this episode. If you want to hear more surprising, insightful, and quirky stories from the MIT community, subscribe to the Slice of MIT podcast on iTunes. Let us know what you think. Please rate the podcast and leave us a review. We'll be back next month with another episode of the Slice of MIT podcast. In the meantime, check out our website at slice.mit.edu. And thanks for listening. For this episode of the Slice of MIT podcast, we're highlighting AMITA, the Association of MIT Alumnae. AMITA promotes alumnae accomplishments, maintains connections among alumnae, and supports women on campus. For more information, visit AMITA, that's A-M-I-T-A, dot alumgroup.mit.edu.